Hello, this is Michael Canfield, and thank you for joining us today on The Dog Watch, where we consider dogs, watches, life in the field, and go wherever curiosity takes us. On this episode of The Dog Watch, we talk with Spencer Markworth, the co-founder of the Finch Knife Company. We have the pleasure of discussing the inspiration for Finch Knives, what makes them unique, the materials they use, and the overall process of developing a new knife. We also have a chance to hear about how Finch Knives incorporate design elements of watches, including a sapphire crystal and a loomed logo. Before we get to the interview, our featured dog this week is the Australian Shepherd, affectionately known as the Aussie. Despite their name, this breed was established in California from collies and other dogs that were brought to the United States, some from Australia with Basque ranchers. The quintessential cowboy dog, these animals are quick, agile, and have a natural herding instinct. Despite their value as work animals, Aussies are playful, affectionate, and make great family dogs. And now, let's get down to our conversation with Spencer Markworth. Hello, Spencer, and welcome to the Dog Watch. Hey, thank you very much for having me. It's uh, I've been looking forward to talking to you ever since you reached out, and um, it's going to be a great Friday, great way to start the weekend is to have a conversation with you. So I appreciate the opportunity to come on with you. Yeah, thanks so much. And um, are you in Stillwell right now? I am. Uh, we have our so um, my my partner and I, Steve. Um, we we both live in Stillwell or live um, within the area. So our design studio is in Stillwell, Kansas. And uh, we actually moved offices about a year ago. We're, uh, actually, next week will be our one-year anniversary in our new office. Okay. So you have a th- so there is a, a physical location that is the Finch Knife Company. Yes, sir. There sure is. Yes, we um, we we started um, in a smaller space, and then we moved. We don't we, we we sell direct, but majority of our of our pocket knife inventory goes to our dealer program. So we don't really have a traditional retail store. It's we really use it as our design studio and for all of our inspiration. Yeah, yeah, that's fantastic. And what's it like in Stillwell? I've never been there. Well, it's it is slowly becoming. Well, we both grew up here, and so um, we 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 haven't we haven't ventured far from where we grew up. When we were growing up, it was a lot of uh, cow pastures, farm ponds, uh, railroad tracks. And slowly, the the um, slowly it's getting developed. Um, it's it's still very rural. We're in a suburb of Kansas City, um, on the Kansas side of the state line. Um, Kansas City just is is right. We we hug Kansas and Missouri, and we're just on the Kansas side of the state line, um, out south. And it's it's still rural. We still have cornfields and wheat fields and soybean fields. Um, but we've got schools going in all around us. We have new hospitals going in around us. Neighborhoods coming in left and right. So it's we're slowly losing our um, our our country. What's the? I always like to ask what the local delicacies are like on Friday night. If we if it were afternoon, where would we go to get some food? What, yep, what's there your... is we've got some uh, fabulous fabulous barbecue places here in Kansas City. And um, also the pizza joints are super popular. And then the microbrews with Boulevard Brewing. You know, Boulevard Brewing is a Kansas City um, icon. And it's, it is, has some spinoffs um, really all over the metro area. So if you're looking, good for a, looking for a good microbrew and, and barbecue, uh, Kansas City is the place to be. Fantastic. Wow. Well, maybe someday. And I didn't realize you're so close to... Um so close to Kansas City. So that's awesome. Yep, but sure are. Still out there in the country where you can have the outdoor things, which, and did you guys know each other 
growing up or absolutely yeah so steve actually so steve and i um he was actually um we've known each other since we were tiny little kids and he was actually best friends with my younger brother and i was best friends with his older brother and um and steve and i just reconnected about four years ago we started talking about our love and passion for everyday carry gear and pocket knives and watches and um i've always been a collector of pocket knives my dad got me started at a super early age and i'm passing that along to my son and it just the inspiration hit and we said you know what we're at that point in our lives like we need to give this thing a try and 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 it's just been an absolute blast that's awesome um and i want to talk to you about a little bit ask about the question of your youth knives and and that kind of thing but i, uh-huh. I wanted to first ask so it started four years ago, the Finch Knife Company, and I'm curious kind of how did it start exactly, when exactly, and how, yeah. what about the name, right? Yeah. Like where'd the name come from? Yeah, no, so it was, it, it's, we've officially been a company for about two years, and, or two and a half, three years, and Steve and I, um, I reached out to Steve, I was, my family would, had been in the printing business for years. And um, my, my dad decided it was time to sell the printing business. And um, I think he was seeing, you know, multi-generational. Um, he just, you know, you, you hear about second, third generation businesses, family businesses. And I think it was starting to make him a little nervous. You know, I've got a wonderful friendship and relationship with my family. But I think, it was, I think he was just looking long term. So I'd been in the printing business my whole life. And, and it was just never quite fulfilling for me. I mean, I loved being around my, my family and I worked close with my brother. Um, but just there was just this creative side of me that was just I knew I knew something was missing, and I knew St- Steve has been a jewelry. Uh, he's been designing um, sports and dive watches for about fifteen years, and so he started a micro brand of watches about that time ago. And so I reached out to him. I was like, "Hey, tell me about your business model. How does it work?" And um, so we just got to talk, and, and I just didn't realize how much he loved pocket knives as well. And it's like you know this this could be the perfect perfect time. Like my career is kind of at a crossroads and I think Steve was looking for new inspiration. And so about two years ago, we officially formed the company and launched our first design. Um, and it's just been crazy ever since. It's just been, we thought initially we would just sell direct through our website. But what we quickly found is how um, how important a dealer program is in, in the dealers throughout the country. So we we started shifting that focus a little bit to a dealer program. And, and that's when we just saw, just really saw things just kind of start to go crazy for us. And the dealers, the dealers have been fabulous for us. Yeah. I mean, looking on your website, your reach is impressive given you've only been in business two years, right? It's, it's out there, right? It, it, it is. Um, we've, we're starting to get some international presence too, which has been just super exciting. We, um, you know, so, so back to your, your question of, of Finch, we came up with the name. Um, just, we, we just are both intrigued. We think birds are fascinating. Um, and there's just so many different types of birds and the Finch, Steve's comes from an Irish background and I'm, you know, German and French background. And we really wanted something that kind of gave you that old world kind of vibe or old world feel. And um, we wanted to be kind of known internationally, you know, down the road. And um, that bird just played right into what we were wanting to do. And then when we hired our graphic design firm, they came up with some logo concepts and we just immediately fell in love with 
with the the F shield that you just see all over Europe. We just thought that was so fascinating and just like here it is. It's let's let's take this and run with it. So tell me about that, the F shield. Like what do you mean by that? So what was very important to us is we were we were trying to figure out how do we take kind of like a family crest or something you see on a knight's on a knight's armor or on a knight's weaponry and we wanted to take that shield and we were we were very it was very important to us to include that logo or shield as part of our knives a lot of the a lot of my knife collection um are german and french and and english pocket knives and they all use a shield or a logo embedded in their knives a lot of the new modern traditional pocket knives don't do that and we really wanted to bring that back in a modern sort of way and so the 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 f and the shield really just had to be simple but strong enough to say that it's there's some lineage here and genealogy here and it's just it really just ties back to Steve's Irish upbringing or Steve's Irish roots and my German and French roots. Cool. So let's talk about your collection a little bit and how that led you both from a design perspective to some of the designs but also uh-huh. to the the flipping, you know, the flip knife right like there's lots of options yeah Yeah, there 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 is there are so many knife options out there and and when we were starting this business we knew it's like there's a lot of knife brands and it's like how do we you know we were we were trying to figure out how do we be how do we figure out a way to be unique and how do we find a way to stand out and be a little bit different and steve and i both have the exact same design taste we're very we're both big into vintage um, vintage gear. I mean, Steve collects cameras and outdoor gear. I collect pocket knives and I collect vintage fishing lures and fishing mm-hmm. gear. And so we tried to just j- jive all that together. And that logo, the logo kind of actually brings in. So all of the logos and all of our knife handles is actually a sapphire crystal. And um, what we thought was cool is that kind of brings Steve's watch background. Um, it kind of brings his watch background, not kind of, it actually does. It brings his watch background um, into the mix of the design. And um, so, you know, we, we looked at metal logos for those handles. We looked at all sorts of options and, and even just doing some without. And then Steve had the ideas like, look, we need to hire, we need to find a sapphire crystal and put the glow in the dark on the back. And just, just to be different. And so we've tried knives with, we've tried some of our designs without that logo in the handle. And it just, the, the personality, it just disappears on the knife when you take that away. And that was, that was a big part of our brand from the beginning is like, we are really trying to pay homage and respect to those old world pocket knives, um, that have those logos in their handles. And, um, it's an expensive part of the pocket knife, but it's without a doubt the most important part of the pocket knife to us. Right. It's distinctive. And I, I guess for some people listening, they would be like, yeah, of course, a sapphire crystal. I'm a watch person, right? Or the loom. <laughs> yeah. Some people who are you know, walking their dog, interested in the, the podcast, et cetera, and learning about knives, that won't mean anything to them. So what, what when you say the sapphire crystal and the loom, yeah. how does that relate to sure. especially what S- Steve does? Sure. So, you know, so Steve, so Steve's been a, he has a micro brand of, of sport watches and dive watches, basically, um, like a, a Rolex type watch that has the bezel. It allows you to go scuba diving. They're waterproof. And so we took basically what the, um, the, 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 
the face of those watches is made out of a crystal, and it's just incredibly durable. You can't scratch it. You can't chip it. It's not glass. I mean, it's just an incredibly durable um, material. And we just thought the, the glow in the dark on the backside was just no one's doing it. And yeah. like, well, let's, how can we be different? And so it's, it's not, it's, it's not as ideal on a, on a knife as it is with a watch. Cause obviously with, with, if you're wearing a watch that has, you know, like glow in the dark hands, you know, it's going to be charged by the sun. It has to be charged by the light. And, you know, more than likely your pocket knife's in your pocket. It's not getting charged. But, um, the, 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 our, our following of customers and fans have fallen in love with just the fact that it's, it's, it's a modern piece of material. Um, that we are trying to implement and, and, you know, the pocket knife is one of the oldest tools in the world. And so how do we, we wanted to, we wanted to marry traditional with modern and that sapphire crystal was really the foundation for all of our pocket knives. So all of them have them now. They sure do. We, we had, we had played around with not doing it on some and we just didn't like, it just was missing. It just was missing something when we took it out. So all pocket knives. All of our designs have that sapphire crystal in them. Right. And it's, I have to say, it's pretty cool to have the loom, right? Obviously, you don't need it like to, to tell what time it is. No, but no. It's, you set no. it on your nightstand or next to your, you know, sleeping bag. And, and that's, it's just kind of, it's aesthetically beautiful. Th- that's exactly, that's what it is. It's aesthetically beautiful and it's just unique and different. And it just adds just another little level or layer to the story that we're trying to tell. So tell me a little bit about your knife collection then, like where, what does that look like and how did that help nourish your design and um, the intentions for the knives that you ended up making so far? Yeah, yeah. So um, my pocket knife, my pocket knife collection that my my dad got me started on um, when I was a kid were all traditional pocket knives. They had, they were called slip joints. And what a slip joint means is you, it's got a little groove in like in the closed position there's a little groove or a li- what, they, what we call a nail nick um, in, the ha- in the blade of the knife, and you need two hands to open it. And so those are called slip joints, and that is, that is 98% of my pocket knife collection. Now, jump way ahead, m- my son is big into these automatic pocket knives where you just push a button and the blade snaps right open. It's got springs in there. And, and um, so he, my son's collection went the way of the automatic pocket knife, and they tend to get a little more tactical. Yep. And Steve and I just aren't tactical guys. We want a knife we can wear to church. We want a knife we can wear out on date night with our wives. Um, you know, if we need to open it in public and cut some twine or line, it's not intimidating to people. Because pocket knives can, you know, some are very intimidating looking. So my collection was very modern, was very modern and very, excuse me, was very traditional in terms of it's a two-handed opener. It's got the nail nick. My son's collection is very modern in terms of you push the little button and thing snaps right open. So we're like, well, let's let's get on this. Um, there's this huge wave of popularity with knives called flipper knives. And it, 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 it allows you to go back to a single-handed opener, and you just flip it. There's a little tab. It's kind of like a Zippo lighter. You snap yep. it open, and you, and, you, and you light it. So with a flipper knife, there's a little tab in the closed position that sits that rests above the handle, and you just flip it with your index finger, and the blade will swing right open. And, um, and it'll lock into place, and then you, need, then you can unlock it when you put it back in your pocket. It's got a little set of ball bearings inside the pivot, um, so at the front of the knife, there's the, there's a pivot 
and um, it's got ball bearings on either side, and that allows it just to very smoothly flip open. And um, so we were trying to decide where we, we initially were thinking, let's just do automatic pocket knives. But then as we really started studying what we thought was going to be great for our tastes, um, is we wanted to take the, mo- the traditional of two-handed openers and, and how do we combine that with the modern of some of these automatics and these flippers? And so we're taking a, a traditional approach to modern flipper pocket knives. Great. And on your Instagram and things like that, you can see the flip happening. And it's pretty impressive, right? It's a very um, mechanical but finely tuned me- mechanical object. Yes, it, it is. So um, there's a there's a... It's called detente, D-E-T-E-N-T-E. It's called detente. And there's basically like a little ball, like a little BB inside, um, inside the knife handle that you can't see. And there's a spring in there that as you start to put pressure on that flipper tab we were talking about, it builds up that energy and it allows it just to freely snap right open. And um, just makes for a fun, it, it, this is some great fidget factor with them too. They're fun to fidget if you're at your desk. They're just fun to fidget with. Yeah. And that little detente then is, in near where the joint is, right where the pivot is. It's yeah, you can't see it at yep. all unless you take take your knife apart. It's all right. hidden, and um, it's it's we've got that thing dialed in, so it's it's they're just they're just they sound really fun. Uh, they snap right open, and then um, there's a little lock bar. So once the knife has been engaged, um, there's a little lock bar that you can slide with your thumb that will disengage the blade and allow you to drop it back down into the handle. Right. So I want to develop a little bit of the trajectory from, you know, your early collection to some of the designs that you have now. So if I said, hey, show me a couple of your favorite antique or older knives from your collection, uh-huh. which ones, which one or two would you pull out? Like, what would they look like? Of uh, my personal collection? Yeah, like from when you, like from when you're a yeah. kid or whatever. Um, what would those look like? Well, one of them is actually a Swiss Army knife that's got the saw, the toothpick, the tweezers, the magnifying glass. You know, my dad bought me one of those when I was about in, probably about eight or nine. And I still have that exact one. It's missing the tweezers and the toothpick have, have, have <laughs> come and gone. They are definitely lost. And then actually, um, you know, Case, which uh, Case Pocket Knives, which is an American brand. There's a there's a pocket knife that they designed. There's a pattern called a sow belly, S-O-W-B-E-L-L-Y. It's called a sow belly, and it's got three blades in it. But what I loved about the sow belly is it was just you could, it had you could have so much fun with color with it. So my collection, none of I don't really have a lot of black or brown. Your traditional pocket knife colors or most popular colors. Um, I've got turquoise, red, orange, yellow. I mean, my, our pocket knife, my pocket knife collection is just full of color. And that's something Steve and I've tried to do with, um, with our designs is we want to keep the color there. We want to offer color off, uh, have color offerings, red, blues, greens, um, we're getting into abalone and, and abalone is, is a, is a pearly, um, like a shell color that's multicolor. So we are staying away from the, the traditional tactical black and browns and steel colors. And we're just really are having fun with, with a lot of the fun, bright colors. Yeah. And I, I will, I have a couple of questions on that and I'm interested in having like, that's going to, I haven't seen that yet. I, yeah. the, the ox bone and things like that. But I, so you've got these, you know, this collection, et cetera. Uh-huh. You're thinking about making your first knife or two. 
right? When you're developing this company, what was that first knife or two like? And how did you decide about like which ones to start with, which blade structures? Because I, I think that's one of the things that's distinctive about your knives is that they're not just, you know, standard Swiss Army knife blade. That's exactly right. So our, our very first design is called the Runtley. And it was actually inspired by, um, so Steve and I are both, we love to be outdoors, but, you know, with young families and raising families and running the business, we're not outdoors as much as we like. And so the Runtley has a has a sheep's foot blade. It's it's just a very um, it's it's just very angular blade. And so the Runtley was inspired by. I have a collection of vintage fishing lures. They're made out of wood, but then they're hand painted with reds and yellows and um, watermelon colors and just so many fun colors. And the, the personality of that little fishing lure, they don't make them anymore. Uh, but the personality of that fishing lure is so cool because no matter what color you have, it's still got this neat little personality. And it was a very successful fishing lure um, for largemouth bass fishing, really for any kind of fishing. So we, we decided to take the Runtley as our first design. And the inspiration was vintage fishing lures. But the idea behind that, that knife was is you know, we don't, we don't get to fish as much as we used to and as much as we would like um, because we're so busy uh, with our lives that let's carry a pocket knife that reminds us of something that we love to do growing up and that we still love to do. So um, the Runtley came about. It's a small little, small little knife. Um, some people call it a fifth pocket knife where it'll, it'll slide into that little, that little uh, in your jeans, that little um, coin or change pocket on your front in the front pocket. So a lot of people call it a fifth pocket knife. It's small, but it's incredibly robust. And what we're, what we just love with that knife is, um, no matter what color op handle options we go with, it's not going to lose its personality. We've done them in red. We've done them in yellow. We've done them in blue. We knew the yellow, it was a kind of a vintage yellow. Um, we knew that yellow was going to be the, the initial offering in that design. And then uh, we've done some in uh, an antique wood. It's and what we just love is it just never that little pocket knife just doesn't lose anything with whatever material you decide to put as your handle or what color you decide to put as your handle. And so, yeah, that little knife, um, it's great. It just reminds us of growing up and fishing. And um, we're not on the water like we used to be, but it sure reminds us of all those great times. Yeah. And it's, it's so distinctive and it seems like it was pretty successful, right? Like people were drawn, were drawn to something different. It, well, it was it, it, absolutely. And, you know, we, we, had, we had deliberated a little bit, um, with our, one of our, our second or third offering actually was our called our model 1929. Yeah. And basically we took, it's called a Barlow, B-A-R-L-O-W. And that knife pattern has been around since for hundred for hundred years. And you know, my great grandfather carried a Barlow pocket knife, but no one was offering a Barlow um, with um, old school traditional materials like bone and or or wood as a flipper pocket knife. And so the inspiration behind the model nineteen twenty nine was, um, you know, Steve loves to hike. He loves to camp. Um, I'm not much into the hiking. I'm not much into the camping, but I love to hike and kayak. And we spent years, um, my childhood, we, we had opportunities to go to the national parks, specifically Grand Teton National Park. And there's just so much adventure in Grand Teton National Park that like, what a perfect name 
to, um, to name this knife. So we named it after the year Grand Teton National Park was established. And, um, it's definitely not, I mean, there's, we didn't really break the bank when we designed that knife because that Barlow pattern was, has been in existence for over a hundred years. So we knew, so jump back to the Runtley, we just like, let's be aggressive with our first launch. Let's do something completely different. And, and that's what knife folks really like. They want to see unique. They want it to be collectible. They also want to be able to use it and carry it. And so um, that Runtley just really was able to be the foundation and will, and will always be our foundation for our company. Uh-huh. And from the Runtley, it sounds like you went to the Barlow, et cetera. What did you learn, not just about sort of the marketing and the interest from the Runtley, right? Like obviously being bold seemed to work really well. Uh-huh. But did you learn things about the production or the like design process or whatever that have um, that has sort of allowed you to change aspects of the knives from that or has it stayed pretty similar it's everything's been very similar and very consistent um so what steve and i create everything um just as a flat file we might hand draw a rough sketch out or we might just quickly jump on illustrator and in uh in adobe illustrator and and put some sketches together but what we've what we are very fortunate and blessed with is um we have found some factories that have just been phenomenal to work with um, so when we were in the process of designing that Runtley, we went to the, the world's largest knife or blade um, trade show is in Atlanta every year. And it's called the Blade Show. And knife makers, knife designers from all over the world come to Atlanta for three, four, five days. And we were able to meet a couple of the factories that we knew we, we, they were kind of on our radar, but we just we had a lot of questions for them. And they have, they have really dialed in. We talked about the detente and the flipper and those ball bearings. They have all those things dialed in. And so it allows Steve and I really just to concentrate on telling the story, um, doing knife naming, um, and designing the knives. I mean, we, we are knife designers. We, we will never say we're not knife builders. We're not. We're, we, don't, we don't have that engineering and um, geometry. Um, and the, the engineering part of it, really, when it comes down to it, all those factories have that expertise. So we, we lean on them for all that. And it's just been a fabulous rela- relationship with them. Wow, that's fantastic. And it's nice that it was so close, right, that you were able to go to, to meet these people in person and, and really work through that, as, it, especially it, as partners. It, it was, um, you know, we had a lot of, we had a lot of questions because, you know, what we, the, the number one thing, well, I shouldn't say that there were two big issues for us when we were going to drop our first knife out to the public is that the quality, it ha- the quality had to be there. Um, we were just, it had to be, it had to be perfect. And we didn't want to drop a design or release a design. And um, the blade, like in the closed position, if the blade wasn't centered in the closed position or um, when you open the knife, is there, does the blade wiggle when the knife's open? Those are all little issues that can come back and get you real, real, real quick. And um, so the factors we met, all that was put to, put to rest and at ease for us. And um, so it allows Steve and I really just, we, can, we get to concentrate on the fun part, which is the design, uh, uh, meeting fans and customers, and then building this dealer program has just been, um, it's been fabulous. And it is what we are finding with um, the everyday carry community is um, everyone is very, very friendly, open, and just incredibly loyal. 
We've got customers that won't, they would rather wait for their dealer to get a knife back in stock than, than potentially order it from a, a competitive dealer down the road. Or, <laughs> so they're just, yeah. it's, it's, it's very fascinating. Yeah. Um, so a couple more questions on sort of the design side. Can you yeah. walk me through how a design takes flight? Like yeah. you mentioned sort of the illustrator thing or whatever, but can you kind of walk me through from starting with an idea or how do you get the idea for a new knife and where does it go from there? Yeah. So, I mean, we, we use, we use really the world around us for our inspiration. We, we could, you know, the other day I was walking and saw a moth fly on a stop sign and I started thinking about a design for, 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 with this moth. But let me back up to our fourth design. So we use, I mean, we use everything when, when it comes to our um, inspiration and concept. So our, our fourth knife is called the Holiday. And my dad has a collection of what they call doctors or pharmacist knives. And they're just, they're just, very, um, they're just very elegant but incredibly simple. And he's also a huge Wild West fan. He loves all the characters of the Wild West. You know, Billy the Kid, Jesse James, Wyatt Earp. Um, he loves all that stuff. And so we took his love for the Wild West and this collection of doctors and pharmacist knives and started designing really a very simple rectangular handle-shaped knife. And we called it the Holiday. And it's named after Doc Holiday. And um, we put a very long... Warncliffe blade. It's just a very, um, it's a very aggressive with tons of personality blade shape. It's not a blade shape we came up with on our own. It's the Warncliffe blade has been around forever. And so the inspiration, the name, the name came first with Holiday. And then the design was um, really pretty simple. It was really probably one of our more simple designs. And it has just been, it's been one of our top sellers so far. So from the initial stage of a knife to the very end, when we actually release a knife into the, uh, into the market, it's about six, seven, eight, nine months. Uh, we'll, we'll start with rough sketches. Then we'll start with more detailed sketches that we do here. We'll start to tell the story. Usually the name has already been put together. Uh, we already know the name. We have the story. And then while we're still kind of flushing that out, we turn it over to our factory, and they will nail down engineering drawings and these CAD drawings for us to make sure our geometry or their geometry and their engineering is going to work with what we want to see um, cosmetically. So then we'll go through a series of line or engineering drawings. And then once we sign off on an engineering drawing, they will quickly um, go into a rendering stage where we'll actually... Um, we'll get 3D drawings of it. And that's so exciting because you start to see the knife really just jump off the page or jump off your screen. And it's fun to get to that rendering stage because the personality of the knife is just starting to take off. And at that 3D rendering stage, you might see an issue. You're like, oh, you know what? This isn't, this isn't coming together like we thought. So we might make a couple little tweaks. But usually at that rendering stage, you're pretty much good to go. And then from the rendering stage, once we approve that, uh, we'll do prototypes. And we'll actually get two or three knives made of the design just to make sure we have, you know, if there's any sort of uh, cosmetic issues or function issues or ergonomic issues. A lot of companies, a lot of knife makers are really big into the ergonomics of a knife. Um, that fits your hand and fits your knuckles and your fingers. And we don't get caught up in that. Steve and I think it takes away, of the, takes away from the beauty of the knife. 
So we are really just very vintage traditional when it comes to the design of the pocket knife. Then once the prototypes are made, um, we'll play with them, carry them, use them, and then we'll decide what materials will be best for the initial drop of that pocket knife. And then we'll move those into production. And that takes about three to five months. And then um, we'll take delivery and then we'll immediately go through our quality control, um, insert all of our marketing materials. Every, every one of our knives includes a Band-Aid, a warranty card, and just some other um, stickers and stuff that help tell the story of that pocket knife. And then everything goes out to the dealers. And then we give our dealers about a week head start um, to sell um, what they had pre-ordered. And then Steve and I will put on our site the few that are left, and we'll sell direct as well. And, right. and we hope to maintain that just because we like that, that customer interaction. Sure. So um, just a quick question about the yeah. moth. Like, I, I'm an entomologist by training or, or a, <laughs> a biologist. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so I'm, I'm kind of a strange thing to, key, to home in on here. But what... What's that about? Can you tell me a little bit about so, yeah, what you saw and what, yeah, how that's well, translating? Yeah, well, you know what? I, I saw um, just the, these wings. I saw the wings. There's just the beautiful shape of the wings with this with this little body. Uh-huh. And just the, the, the pattern and the colors coming out of those wings. It was just like, oh, my goodness. This is, there's, it was just beautiful. And it was, just, it was in the middle of them. It was, it was about 6 o'clock in the morning. And I was walking the dogs and looked up, and there's this thing was, and it just hit. It's like there's there's something there. Huh. And so we're we are working on a design. It's called the Mothman, um, and after the famous, you know, or, you know, the the mythological Mothman. And so it's at the very beginning stages in those drawing stages that we were talking about. But the, the, back to your original question of of inspiration and how the concept works. We're going to be dropping a knife or releasing a knife next month called the Cherry Bomb. And it's inspired by fireworks. You know, Steve and I growing up here in, in, you know, the suburbs of Kansas City in Stillwell, Kansas, you know, growing up, we would go to the fireworks stands sure. and buy our fireworks. And, and those are awesome memories for us. And, and um, you know, Steve and I are big on memories and childhood. And, and so we're really excited about this knife called the Cherry Bomb. And we'll be releasing it next month. And um, again, we just we just stole from our childhood and something we a memory we, we remember doing of buying fireworks and having barbecue and 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 all that crazy stuff that came along with celebrating the Fourth of July. And so we just we just really pull from all over. I mean, it's it's we could be watching TV and get inspired. We could be driving down the street and get inspired. I was walking my dogs and got inspired. Yeah. We just try to pull and just keep our minds open whenever we're just whenever we can. Do you keep the, uh, are these hand drawings? Yes. Do you keep oh, some, those? Some or? of them are. Some yeah. of them are. Um, most of them now, we usually jump straight in and uh, straight into Illustrator and do it all digitally. There are a few hand drawings floating around in some sketchbooks yeah. um, that we'll keep. And, you know, we talked about maybe framing them or doing something fun with them. Yeah, I think that's, I mean, I'm kind of a, a notebook person, <laughs> to be quite frank, a, a different part of my research interests, but it's just so great when you see the the initial creative part, whether it's even if it's on a computer, but also in hand drawn drawings, and then you see a knife come out of it, for example, and that's just so beautiful to, it, to see it, that. It is. It is so rewarding to see it when you're actually holding one that took a year to develop, and it started with, I mean, a rough sketch and a you know a notebook or on a post-it note. It's, it's, it's really cool. I mean, it sounds, I mean, we're big sentimental guys and it, it does. It, it's, it's just, it's just really cool. It's super rewarding. And then to see people enjoy them, um, is just awesome. I mean, we get, we get comments from folks all the time and back to that holiday pocket knife, 
we've had guys reach out to us and say, hey, I'm not a pocket knife guy. I'm not interested in pocket knives. I don't carry a pocket knife. But your story about Doc Holliday inspired me to buy one of your knives. And we get those, <laughs> we get those emails quite often. Wow. We, we're getting about the cherry bombs. Like, look, I remember buying fireworks too on a little highway stand and I'm buying one of those knives. And so we're big into telling a story. That is such a huge part of what we do is, is telling a story that allows people to connect to it. Yeah. And I think also the thing that you do with sending the Band-Aid, I know when my dad gave me my first pocket knife when I was a kid, and has given me one since. He, there's always a Band-Aid and a penny in there. You know, like, <laughs> that's, that's exactly the... <laughs> right. Yeah, the penny is a little superstitious. Good yep. luck and don't hurt yourself. And, yep. and absolutely, we've talked about throwing an old penny in all the boxes, but uh, <laughs> we haven't gotten there, gotten to that point yet. <laughs> um, well, I want to ask you a couple questions about materials. Uh-huh. Right? So one of the elements that it seems like is really important to the company is is the design, right? And we talked about that. The materials... I think to someone who's not in the weeds in the knife world, right, mm-hmm. are important in the sense that they make what you're producing really a quality. So can you tell me a little bit about the steel, about the, the clip, about the, um, I think you call them scales, right? Yep, the like, handle scales, yeah. What kind of materials do you use and, and how are those important? How do you select them? Yeah. So um, we'll start with, let's start with the actual blade. Um, we're using right now on pretty much 90, pretty much everything we're doing right now is a blade steel called 154 CM. And what there, there are hundreds of blade steels. And really what it came down to us is it was, it was a good quality blade steel that had low maintenance that wasn't going to rust or corrode. And it was going to hold a, uh, have retain a, uh, an edge for a considerable amount of time. And it was going to be, um, it was going to, it was going to be, it was going to fall into the price point that we wanted to be in. So the blade steel for us was a very, really a simple choice. Um, there's a lot of companies using 154 CM. So we're, so we were just thinking, okay, you know, if, if some of these name, some of these companies that we respect so much are using it, then that one would be a, a good one for us to use as well. Mm-hmm. So it really came down to, um, fitting within our budget for our customers and it was just a good quality blade steel that they're going to um, enjoy to use and it's not going to fall apart or, or corrode or stain or, or do any of those things. Most of our knives, like the, the Model 1929 and Holiday, have up at the front, it's called a bolster. That's just that metal area that kind of holds the whole knife together. And we have choices there between titanium, we could use steel, you can sometimes get away with, with aluminum, but what we wanted to stick with again was just a very traditional old school material, which is steel. And it allowed us to, um, put brush strokes in it. We could have a satin finish. You could do a stone wash finish. So again, it, it came down to economics and this just cosmetically, what could we get away with? Yeah. And, um, and then the, the, the other component with the handles, what we love about the handles and what we're doing is the sky's the limit there. And that's not really going to dictate, dictate the price too much, the handle scales. But what it does, it's immediately going to just add to the elegance and, and dress up a knife or dress down a pocket knife. So we're using um, a material called G10. And G10 is basically a, a, like just a synthetic, a plastic that's got um, epoxy in it and they can dye it a thousand different colors. G10 is the same material. Like if you were to pull a circuit board out of your computer or out of your TV, it's that green hard material that all the little 
wires and all the stuff are connected to or soldered to, that's G10. Incredibly durable, incredibly resistant, very tough, and the sky's the limit on the colors with that. So we definitely use G10. Then we also use a material called Micarta. Um, limited there with color options, but it's, it's got some depth to it. You can add linen in there. You can add canvas. You can add burlap. So it just brings in just a ton of fun, cool layers that just really give a knife some uniqueness to it. Like every knife, like if we did a run, if we did a batch of knives with a Micarta linen, every knife's going to look a little bit different. And uh, the collectors and the carriers, if you're collecting or you're carrying or you're doing both, they love the fact that it's going to be unique. Right. Then we'll jump into wood options as well. We'll use exotic woods. One of our favorite woods is Coca-Bola. And um, what we love about the wood options is, again, every if you lined up 20 of our pocket knives in Coca-Bola, every one of them looks completely different than, than the other ones. Um, and then the titanium, we use a little bit of titanium on our clips. So all of our flipper pocket knives will have a pocket clip. That's just kind of one of the modern things that's it's still very popular, will be very popular for a very long time. Yeah. So all of our flipper knives have a pocket clip, which allows you that quick access, slide it out of your pocket, flip it open with the one hand. And so we, we do titanium there just to bring in a little, just, a, just another material, really what yeah. it comes down to. Um, a lot of folks wouldn't know the difference between a titanium clip and a steel clip. You just, a lot of people just wouldn't know. And, um, but we chose titanium just because it does dress it up a little bit for the, for the, for the guys that really study their EDC gear and their pocket knives. They, they would know the difference. Um, you know, I, I would hand my, I would hand a pocket knife to one of my kids or my wife. They wouldn't know what the materials were. They wouldn't be able to distinguish between right. them. And you but, mentioned, mentioned the abalone and, um, what's that coming on? So we are working on a design right now called the Lucky 13. Oh, yeah. It's just a, it's mm-hmm. a tiny little pocket knife. It's a flipper pocket knife as well. And um, we haven't really announced, we haven't shown off too much of it on with marketing or social media yet. We're going to wait till we know the production's nearing the end. But it's a small, it's, it's, it's Runtly size. It actually might even be just a little bit smaller than Runtly. And just a neat, elegant, super elegant little pocket knife. And we just really dressed it up. It's going to come in the abalone. It's coming in a wood. And then we're also doing um, white bone, smooth white bone. And it's just a, just a yeah. sophisticated, tiny little knife. that uh, it's, I'm super excited about it. Yeah, I saw a picture on Instagram of, of that on your on your account. Yeah, we we put we put a few out there. Yeah, yeah, it's a cool looking little object, right? It's yeah, it, it's a little guy. It is a and, tiny little guy. Just yeah. drop in your pocket like a, with a bunch of change. It'll fit in there with all your quarters and nickels and dimes. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, couple a couple more things I had. Yeah. I have to ask you. Um, the first is I you know I saw you'd mentioned it in one of your posts and again it's a great account for people to look at because you just see lots of really beautiful designs and also kind of get a sense of you and and um, the company. One of the things you said was I, I can't quote it but you said yeah. something about you were taking a, a a break from quality control right <laughs> and you were doing something else like uh-huh. what is the quality control process what does that look like when you get yeah. a whole bunch of knives and I mean I would assume that was one of the most important things that you want your finger right on um so what is how does that work yeah so the the factories they do a wonderful job they 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 do their own quality control 
Um, and so we know what we're getting is, is we, are com- we are completely comfortable with getting those out into the market. But when all the knives come to us, we really just want to just take a really, really just take a quick look and just just go down the knife cosmetically, make sure the action is meets our standards. And then it also allows us to um, put in. So every knife includes a Band-Aid warranty card, a flip in the fence sticker and then a product specific (laughs) sticker. So why we're going through the quality control will also insert those four um, pieces into every box. So, yeah, what we'll do is um, Steve will get his family up here. I'll get my family up here. We've got a long, long bar that we, um, that we brainstorm at, that we work at, that we package orders at. And we will line up all the knives. And we will, we will go through every one of them, look at them, insert those materials. We, we're getting to the point now where we can bust out our quality control, usually within a couple of days. But it's really important for us to have the final set of eyes, take a look at them before they do head out. Because again, it's, it is our brand that's at stake. It's our reputation at stake. Now, we do miss some here and there. There's no question sure. we've missed some here and there. But for the most part, you know, we really have a no questions policy on, look, if you're disappointed for whatever reason, don't even give us a reason. We're either going to give you another knife or we'll get you your money back. And nobody, nobody's really has ever taken it. We're not getting taken advantage of. But I think it, as a new company and a new brand, I think it, it has helped us with just confidence in the marketplace that, hey, these guys are standing by what they are producing. And um, so that last bit of quality control, we just want to make sure our, our eyes were the last ones to see it before it heads out. Yeah. And, uh, but occasionally, we, we, one will slip through the cracks. And uh, customers are totally cool about it. And they love that we don't. We don't ask a lot of questions. We'll either, if, if we still have the knife, if it's, if it's not sold out, we'll ship them a replacement. And we'll, we'll even ship them a replacement before we get the old knife back. And they love that because they don't want the downtime without the pocket knife. I mean, a lot of guys, a lot of folks rely on that pocket knife as a daily tool. I mean, if they're working in a warehouse or a factory or whatever. So we'll ship out, we'll replace it before we get the old one back, no questions. And so that quality control, it's fun. It just allows us to get our families involved allows them to see what goes into a pocket knife. And it just allows our kids to appreciate it even more. And, 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 and I think they enjoy coming out here and spending time with us and, and, and helping. And, and I think even one time, I think the picture you might be referring to, I think the dog came out yeah. one day as well. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> it was he, he loves a good field trip. So he came and even joined, uh, joined in on all the fun. Yeah. What's the dog's name? Or what His name is dog? Jackson. He's an Australian shepherd. Yeah. And uh, he's, yeah, he's, a, he's a funny little dude. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think one of the things that's nice about small, smaller businesses and, and these places that people appreciate and customers appreciate, I know I do, just the thought that there is somebody behind it, right? And that the thought of you guys getting together, looking all these things over, you know, playing some <laughs> yard games and, and having a couple of drinks with your friends or whatever it is, and then putting the Band-Aid in there and sending it off to you. I, I think there's something meaningful about that to people. And it's nice. It's fun to hear that that's what's going on behind the scenes. Cool. It definitely is. You know, and that's definitely something we took from Steve's watches is, you know, he's he is he is the guy when if you if you buy a watch from Steve, he is you get to talk to Steve, you know who he is, you know who his family is, you know what his interests are. And, and um, for, at first for me, it was, it, it, it was a little uncomfortable for me to kind of put myself out there. And I was just really nervous about it at first. And so that apprehension is pretty much come and gone. But at first I was just not, 
you know, just kind of got me out of my element, out of, out of my comfort zone. But we knew it was important, and it's worked so well for Steve and so many other small businesses. It's a lot of folks do that, and it's it, it does help. Again, it goes back to storytelling, and it helps tell the story about our little brand and what we're trying to do. Yeah, and uh, this is fantastic. And I, I have two more questions. Hopefully, um, they will give people a sense of both kind of what to do and then what we're going to see. So the first one is, for someone who's not super um, into knives or collecting uh-huh. knives or knife aficionado, where would you recommend they start with what's available now from Finch or what's coming quite soon? Like if out of this interview, people say, oh, I'd really like to get one. But, you know, they look at the holiday and they look at the cherry bomb that comes out. Like where, where what would you say is the starter or, or to, to say, oh, get this one first. Uh, if, if you don't have another preference that you're like, oh, my gosh, I really want that one. Yeah, I would actually have really anybody start the, the model 1929. um is just a dynamic little knife. It's small. You know, a lot of pocket knives, there's some just very big, intimidating pocket knives. And people look at that like, oh my gosh, I just, I'm not comfortable carrying that. I'm not comfortable getting it out and using it. I would start with the 1929 because what's great about that knife, it's small, it's small in your hand. It disappears in your pocket. You can drop it in your pocket and carry it like a traditional pocket knife, or it's got the pocket clip. So you can have, you can have the pocket knife in your pocket and all you see is that little clip sticking out. I would start with that knife because it's just so everyday user friendly. Yeah. I mean, you can take it fishing, you can take it hiking, you could take it camping, uh, you could wear it to a board meeting or wherever. And so it's a really versatile little knife. And I think the folks um, who, who have never owned a pocket knife or even a flipper pocket knife, they're going to fall in love with the action. They're going to find themselves just pulling it out and just flipping it at their desk or flipping it and closing it while they're watching TV. It's got an incredibly addicting action to it. And it's just a fun little size, and it's just a very adventurous knife where it can be used, it can be used anywhere. Um, and it's, it's got a lot of fun colors. If you're into collecting multiples, then that knife has got, we've done three drops on that knife. And uh, meaning three different releases or three different generations of that pocket knife. Um, some of the handle scales are already sold out and hard to get. But for the most part, um, you're going to have some fun options to pick from with that pocket knife. Yeah. And do you do like another release? Like do you look to, you know, reproduce them or are yeah. you kind of... Yeah, that's a great question. And that's something Steve and I, we, we are still trying to, to juggle and, and find the balance and figure out what is, what, what is going to be right for our brand. And what we're finding is, is you know, we want to appeal to the collectors and we want to appeal to guys who are going to carry them every day. And we want access to the brand. So, for, for example, with that model 1929, we've done three generations of that one, really one after another right out of the gate. But what we're now going to do with Model 1929 and that holiday that we talked about, we're going to hibernate, hibernate those pocket knives for at least another year. Oh, wow. And then what, what, allows, what allows that to happen, it, it builds up excitement and demand again. And then so we'll re-release that knife, let's say 1929. Maybe we'll re-release it um, in 18 months with three different handle options. And so the guy who bought one on the initial generation is like, oh, they're back again. I'm going to grab one in this new generation with a different color or a different handle material. So what we're trying to find, figure out is, is, is keep them collectible, 
but also get some access to our brand and, and gets, we're, we're still trying to get traction because, you know, we're still very young. And so we're just trying to walk that line of we don't want to offend the, we don't want to offend the collectors, but we also want new folks that want, maybe want to carry a pocket knife or starting to collect. We want them to have some access. And so we're, we're trying to figure out the, the magic formula for that. There probably never will be a way to figure it out. Um, it's all trial and error. And so, you know, with a lot of guys and, and, and gals too, is if they don't, they get, there, there are knife brands that they get frustrated with. Like, I just can't get one. Um, and the knife factory or the knife, the knife brand is really controlling the supply to the point where people get so upset that they can't get one. They will just, they will just remove themselves altogether from that brand and move on to another brand. Yeah. And we don't want that to happen to us. We, we, we're, so we're trying to massage that collectability and that, and, and for the existing guys. And then for the new people getting into it, you know, they need access to it. Right. It's kind of like you don't want to go the Rolex model where you have to have a dealer who you can <laughs> absolutely you know, d develop a relationship with just to be able to possibly get the op, you know, get an option, which that's not what you're talking about, which no, not at nobody all. Definitely likes that. Not. I, I mean, I guess Rolex likes that and, and some people like it. There's a little bit of that that's okay. The anticipation, like you said, it's fun to look forward to something. Um, it, it is. It is. You know, what we found with Runtley, we were doing the same thing with Runtley, and we might have jumped the gun a little bit on the last drop of those. Um, we actually went back to our original three colors, the yellow, the black, and the uh, translucent G10, which what we call Ghost, is there's still some of those still out there as well, but we were, we were you know, we're, like I said, we we're trying to find that fine line right. and we might've been a little premature on the fourth drop or the fourth generation of those. So Runtley as well, it's going to be hibernated. We're going to put that away probably at least for two years. Oh. And so what we're trying to do is as a micro brand, um, of pocket knives, what we're thinking, what Steve and I think, what we're liking is maybe six, maybe six new designs every year. And then sprinkle in a, a re-release uh, of an old design, like to bring back the Runley or bring back the model 1929. So what you'll see really from here on out are new designs, and then occasionally we'll pull out of that hibernation. We call it hibernation. I don't know why we call it that. But so then we'll, occasionally we will pull one of those knives back out and re-release it. Right. Um, so that's that is kind of our um, our idea for a micro um, knife brand is 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 about six designs a year, maybe more as we grow and get bigger. Um, we might up that a knife or two, but we think that's a good manageable number for us. Um, and, and not to just overwhelm. You know, we're big into we don't want to overwhelm our dealers, and we don't want to overwhelm their customers and our customers. So we're just we're still trying to just play the numbers game and figure out what works. Well, I love that concept as a biologist of hibernation. It, it's very, um, it's a, it's a positive and, um, aspirational idea, right? Where you can look forward to something coming back yes. with seasons. And I think that's great. Um, and you pretty much anticipated my last question, which was, where are you going? Like, where do you want to go? So I guess to follow up on what you just said, I'm curious as a, as sort of a last thought from you, uh -huh. one, what can you tease a couple other ones? You talked about the cherry bomb, right? Like I saw yeah. a few on Instagram. And then also, when when will you feel like you have arrived as a company, right? Like, where do you want to be? Do you want to be, you know, Buck? Do you want to be, like, what does that look like for you as far as like, oh, you know, it seems like you're, you've got great momentum, but what's that sweet spot for you that you're hoping for? 
That's a great question. Um, you know, I, I think what we are hoping for is just to continue. What has been really overwhelming to us is how quickly we were accepted into the everyday carry community mm-hmm. and just how open and friendly everyone has been. You know, we, we, love the, we love to design. And as long as our designs are still being accepted and, and people are still paying money, their hard-earned money for something that we've designed, um, you know, we don't, Steve and I don't have like a long-term goal of, oh, let's, you know, let's hopefully be bought out by a big conglomerate in 10 years. We don't really think that way. We just are yeah. doing what we love. And as long as people are still accepting and love our designs, then that's all we're looking for. And it's, it's, it's providing a fun living for Steve and I. And I think we're really taking his watch approach and really all the microbrewery approach of it's just a grassroots local local company that's just trying to turn out fun designs that um, people are talking about. And it's, it's fun to see people um, talk about it. You know, we've got YouTube reviewers and good or bad. What's funny with the YouTube <laughs> reviewers, I'll, I'll jump on a quick side note. With YouTube reviewers, good or bad, I, I, it just makes me uncomfortable to listen to them. I just I don't want to know... <laughs> And that's probably terrible to say, but good or bad, it just, it makes me squirm in my seat watching that kind of stuff. (laughs) But to what to expect down the road, we haven't talked a lot about it. Um, We, there's not a lot of information out there and we're being not secretive about it. We're just not sharing a lot, but we are developing a line of the slip joints, those two handle, the very traditional two-handed pocket knives, uh, two-handed opening pocket knives, excuse me. And so we are we are developing a, a line of the traditional pocket knives, and um, they're gonna the same idea. They're gonna have a uh, we're gonna have a fun name. They're gonna have a fun story. They're gonna um, be unique. Uh, we're gonna combine the traditional pocket knife with some modern elements and materials. And so we hope to have more information on the knives you can just drop in your pocket. These slip joints. We'll probably start sharing more later this fall, early winter. And but yeah, we're super excited about that. We've had a lot of guys say, "Gosh, we would love to see your take your flipper knife." Because not everybody loves flipper knives. A lot of guys, there's a lot of traditional guys out there. Um, a lot of people think you know traditional are your grandparents and your parents and your great grandparents. But a lot of young guys just want the small knife they can drop in their pocket where it completely disappears and no one knows it's there. And so yeah, we're super excited about that. We've got six designs we're prototyping. And we'll probably start sharing some of those pictures um, over the course of the next three or four months. Fantastic. I can't wait. I think that'll be a really fun choice for people. Yeah, they're going to be great. And they will also have, you know, we're, we, we did not stray away from the Sapphire Crystal. That is a huge part of the brand. That little Sapphire Crystal logo, that Shield logo will be a part of all those. And so, yeah, we're excited to get, uh, we're excited to get some reactions on those. Yeah, that's fantastic. Well, Spencer, thank you so much for spending some time with me. I learned a ton. I know that our listeners will will have a much broader perspective, both on you know what knives you make, et cetera, but also the process, which I think is a creative, artistic process, which is fun to hear about. So thanks so much for being on the Dog Watch. Oh my gosh, thank you for the opportunity. If you have any questions, uh, just holler at me, shoot me an email. Um, yeah, just give me a buzz if you've got any questions on anything. I, I, I love to talk about it. Absolutely, and we'll look forward to seeing all the new, um, the new options we get in the future. That sounds great. You have a great day. Thanks again to Spencer for spending some time with us today and sharing his knowledge and enthusiasm. 
You can find out more about Finch Knives at finchknifeco.com and from authorized Finch dealers. Our music credit today is Whiskey on the Mississippi by Kevin McLeod, courtesy of Creative Commons. Don't forget, leave us a review at Apple Podcasts to help spread the word about the dog watch. Until next time, this is Michael Canfield thanking you for joining us on the dog watch.